from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19. When you harvest your land's produce, you must not harvest all the way to the edge of your field and don't gather up every remaining bit of your harvest. Also, do not pick your vineyard clean or gather up all the grapes that have fallen there. Leave these items for the poor and immigrant. I am the Lord your God. You must not steal nor deceive nor lie to each other. You must not swear falsely by my name, desecrating your God's name in doing so. I am the Lord. You must not oppress your neighbors or rob them. Do not withhold a hired laborer's pay overnight. You must not insult a deaf person or put some obstacle in front of a blind person that would cause them to trip. Instead, fear your God, I am the Lord. You must not act unjustly in a legal case. Do not show favoritism to the poor or deference to the great. You must judge your fellow Israelites fairly. Do not go around slandering your people. Do not stand by while your neighbor's blood is shed. I am the Lord. You must not hate your fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your fellow Israelite strongly so you don't become responsible for his sin. You must not take revenge nor hold a grudge against any of your people. Instead, you must love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. People of God, when you gather the produce from your land, be sure to leave some behind for the poor. Don't make your hired help wait for their pay, 
but give them their wages right when they need it. When selling goods at the market, don't secretly put your finger on the scale in order to charge more. Don't steal or lie or make promises you can't keep. Don't make life hard for the disabled or judge your neighbors unfairly. Don't allow others to hurt people and don't treat immigrants poorly. Do these things because I rescued you from slavery in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. These sound like pretty good rules. There are lots of good things to follow here. The problem for me is though, there are a lot of things that don't quite fit us today. Most of us aren't farmers. Most of us don't hire people to work for us every day. Most of us don't make our living by selling goods at the market. None of us have been slaves in Egypt and none of us are Israelites living in the ancient Near East. I imagine also that none of us believe as the ancient Near Eastern peoples did that the earth is a flat disk and the heavens are held in place by a dome with a pillar on each end. So what do we do? Do we throw all this out since it wasn't written to us or for us? Do we dismiss it as simply an interesting window into life 3000 years ago? Many of the things in Leviticus seem irrelevant to us today, and arguments have been made that this text was already irrelevant just after Jesus died. So that makes it difficult to find meaning in it now, thousands of years later. There's a lot of confusing stuff in Leviticus and some things that have been used in harmful ways. Two of the texts of terror, also called the clobber passages, which are verses used against LGBTQ plus people, are found in Leviticus. The restrictions on women, the rules against marking the body permanently, and the confusing rules about what you can and cannot eat, among other things, make Leviticus hard to relate to. Some people ignore the book, saying it was fulfilled in Jesus, so why bother trying to learn anything from it? Others say, people have used Leviticus to harm me, so why should I read it? I've thought both of these things, dismissing these ancient texts, regarding them with curiosity and suspicion at best, and dislike and anger at worst. However, as I learn more about the study of scripture, I find myself wanting to know about what God asked of God's people in the past, and to see if I can find any meaning that we can apply to our lives today. So how do we do this? We start with understanding what we're reading. Leviticus is part of the Jewish Torah, the Pentateuch. It was written over many, many years and probably was most complete sometime around 538 BC after the Babylonian exile, which is when the current Hebrew alphabet was created. This is approximately 500 years after Saul became the first king of Israel. For further reference, Moses, who you could say is the main character of Leviticus besides God, is believed to have lived sometime between 1592 and 1250 BCE. Leviticus is part of a bigger story that starts about halfway through Exodus and ends about a quarter of the way through Numbers. It is about boundaries and order about how priests should act and what should happen around the temple or tabernacle. 
There's a big emphasis on ritual, purity, genealogies, and cult sacrifices. God had made a covenant with God's people and decided to dwell with them. In order for that to happen, God's people needed to be holy. There are a lot of commanding words here with a repeated mantra, I am the Lord. The commands are followed with, essentially, God is God, and this is a command you need to follow because you belong to God. God says, be holy, for I am holy. You could summarize the whole book up in that one sentence. We don't know who put what we now call the book of Leviticus together, but it most likely was a collection of many unknown authors. Some parts of the book date back hundreds of years before other portions, and the style of writing and specific used words for specific things changes throughout. Biblical scholars used to believe that Moses wrote the Pentateuch, but that belief was debunked in the 1700s. Moses couldn't have written the Torah because in order to do so, he would have had to predict his own death, write about places he never went to, write about things that happened in the promised land, which he never reached, and write that he himself was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Instead, the most common scholarly belief today is that there are many unknown authors, likely from four or five different traditions. What we read today, the Holiness Code, is commonly believed to have been written by experts on holiness and priestly matters. These authors brought many things together into a cohesive text through the use of repetition, genealogies, which say, this is who you are, the naming of cult and legal rules, this is what you do, and covenants, this is how you live life with others and God. This helps the hearers understand who God is and what God does for them by pointing to past stories and ancestors. The rules passed down to the people at the time depicted in the story of Leviticus were about maintaining boundaries like clean, unclean, holy, common, life, and death. There are rules for how to cleanse yourself after becoming unclean, how to conduct yourself daily and during special religious times, and how to atone for your sins so that you can be holy and that God can dwell with you. Leviticus shows that faith and holy living are intertwined. A lot of Leviticus is about priests being holy, but the holiness code, which we read today, is, uh, expands that to say that all of God's people are holy and that if they follow the laws given to them, God will be able to dwell with them. It's about holy relationships. When reading this book, we learn that loving your neighbor is the key to holiness and that holiness and justice are not opposed. This holy justice includes foreigners, the land, and the poor. Some of what is in Leviticus is so important that we hear it again in the New Testament. In today's passage, we heard the golden rule, which Jesus quotes at least twice. The anonymous author of Luke Acts uses Leviticus to support Gentile participation in the church. Paul quoted Leviticus a lot in his letters, and the authors of the Gospels used it often as well in order to show what holy relationships look like. One of the ways of achieving these holy relationships is through rules and rituals. These are a gift from God and are an important way for God's people to act on what we believe, to maintain order, 
and to assure that we are able to dwell with God. Rules and rituals are divine gifts, part of God's promise to God's people. God rescued the people from Egypt and invited them to be bound to God. It's as if God said, you were given freedom from forced labor. Now you are being given freedom into covenant with me. God simply asked that those who enter covenant with God be holy. So we understand the point of Leviticus and the holiness code. We understand that God desired for God's people to live holy lives so that God could dwell with them. We understand that these rules were given to a certain people at a certain time in a certain context. We know that these rules helped form Jesus's ministry. And if these rules helped God's people live in a more just society in the past, perhaps we can find ways to apply similar rules now so that we can contribute to a more just society. These rules enable the poor to find what they need. It is about ending poverty. It's about living well with your neighbors. It's also about your heart. The rules say not to put a stumbling block in front of the blind or slander the deaf. These people may not know that you've done what you've done to get in their way, but God will and your heart will. The barista at the local coffee shop may not know that you voted for a political candidate that does not want the minimum wage to be raised, but God will, and your heart will. The single mother you scoff at at the grocery store because she's using food stamps may not know that you believe government assistance is only for the lazy, but God will, and your heart will. We should live in a way that follows the core of God's rules given to God's people 3,000 years ago. It can seem really intimidating trying to follow rules that focus on supporting the poor, being a good neighbor, having a heart for the marginalized, not causing others to stumble, but we can do it with God's help. God says, I am your God and I will help you through it. We can lean on God's commandments, even if we don't understand the reasons why. This is hard stuff, both then and now, but do not be discouraged. We can do these good things because God is ours and we are God's. I asked earlier if we should just throw out all these rules because they weren't written to us or for us, but I believe it's clear now that the heart of these rules is indeed for us. Perhaps a rewording that makes sense for today will help capture the point of the rules and make them feel relevant. So I'll leave you with my rewrite of the Holiness Code. When you take your paycheck and put it in the bank, do not hoard it. Instead, be purposeful about setting aside some of your wealth for the poor. Give money to cash bail groups that help people who have not been convicted of a crime get out of jail. I am the Lord your God. If someone scrapes your car by mistake, do not take them to court with a desire for vengeance and do not pretend to be hurt so you get more money. Instead, show compassion and empathy for your fellow human and handle matters with kindness. I am the Lord. Do not try to maximize your profit or earnings at the expense of the poor and don't take advantage of loopholes that harm others. 
Don't take advantage of someone else's kindness. Instead, share kindness with everyone. I am the Lord your God. When driving, do not curse the person who is going slower than you like. Don't take the HOV lane when you're the only person in the car and do not cut people off. Instead, treat others as you wish to be treated and never pull in front of a semi unless you can see the whole truck in your rearview mirror. I am the Lord. When you have rights and freedoms that are given to you by your country based only on circumstances you have no say in, do not say that immigrants do not deserve those same rights and freedoms. Instead, provide shelter, support, or advocacy to immigrants Write letters to people who are in detention camps and donate time or money to groups that care for refugees. I am the Lord. When you see someone being mistreated because of the color of their skin, their sexual orientation, their physical or mental ability, their gender identity, do not remain quiet and uncaring. Instead, notice when people do not have access to everything they deserve and use your privilege to speak up. Call your senator, hold them accountable for unjust practices, and join in protests that seek equity for everyone. Pay attention to who isn't being looked after by the dominant culture and vote in a way that supports equality and inclusion. I am the Lord your God. When you see one of your neighbors sleeping on the doorstep of your church, do not turn away in embarrassment or ignore them. Instead, greet them and observe them to see if they are in crisis. Offer conversations and kindness and work to support ministries that care for the unhoused. I am the Lord. Do not participate in practices that harm or exclude others or make it so that the only choice your neighbor has is a poor one. Instead, realize that everyone is a beloved member of creation. I am the Lord who has welcomed you into community, so be holy as I am holy. I am the Lord your God. Amen.